Yeah, I think there's generally this tendency in, let's say, what is what could be called the mainstream journalism is to hype stuff and to look for the extremes. And indeed, what you just said, the middle grounds are completely blanked out, like the fundamental science. If there is not out of a sudden a pandemic, nobody today would know about uh, mRNA vaccines, for example. And I think a blog like this can help that there does not need to be a pandemic to learn about this super interesting things. That was Florian from Microbytes. We are the Microbi Gals. I'm your host, Tess. And I'm John. And welcome to the Micro Moment, that show that takes you down to the microscopic level to view the world just a little bit differently. But today, we aren't talking about the microscopic world, but more talking about how you can make a career about talking about the microscopic world, or really any science niche of your liking. Today, we are talking about the vast and continually expanding career of science writing, sometimes also called medical writing. So, some of you may be asking, what is science, or sometimes also referred to as medical writing? Well, it's an umbrella term that encompasses science journalism. We had another episode where we interviewed Jennifer Welsh on her career, but if you missed it, here's a little bit about her. Yeah, my name is Jennifer Welsh, and I'm a freelance science writer. So, I write, and I do some editing done a lot of management. I'm mostly on websites, online, so writing for news journalistically mostly at this point. And my background is coming from research. My parents are researchers. There's also science communication, but let's hear from Anise over at Microbytes how she defines science communication. For me, uh, it's really trying to close the gap between what we do in the lab, so the, the science and, like I said, our small bubble of just academics and people. And you said not every PhD student think about doing that, and that's true. And I think for me, actually, the pandemic really pushed me there because we saw and we're still seeing this gap that feels very small sometimes and just so big all the times. And for me, that's that's it. It's just closing the gap. Teaching and education is at the heart of science writing and medical writing, but it's also a whole career in and of itself. We'll likely do one episode on the various teaching careers in microbiology, as it's not just being a PI or professor in an R1 institution. There's a whole gambit of other teaching careers. But until then, let's hear from Charlotte over at Microbytes on her thoughts on how teaching and science communication intersect. For me, I think if we all look back to our school periods when we were kids, how often did you come in contact with science communication? I mean, we all did maths. We all learned a little bit about physics. We had the basic biology courses about the human body, about plant life. But how often did you actually come in contact with, for instance, the microbiology world? We could already start from quite a young age to, to teach children also that the small aspects of like life can make a huge impact on, on our daily life and what they can do for us. So for me, if I could choose to, to enhance one area of science communication, it would be to improve the curriculum of, of schools at a young age to already implement this and, and show them that microbes don't have to be bad. And of course, you should wash your hands, but they also do a lot of good stuff for us. But there are so many more places you can go if science and writing are both passions of yours. Here's Jennifer Welsh again. 
it's not just something like what I've done for the last 10 years, which is writing for websites in a journalistic way or a bloggy way. There's, you know, writing company sites, there's writing documentation, there's writing white papers, there's writing press releases and, and alumni magazines and all of those kind of marketing materials. You can write scripts for YouTube videos. You can obviously do research for podcasts. You can, you know, there's a lot of ways to use these skills in communicating and also, you know, simplifying and, and helping other people understand science that is not just straight. I created this news article for the web. So as you can see, science writing or medical writing really encompasses a, a vast array of areas that science and writing intersect. In today's digital age, there are blogs, vlogs, podcasts, there's science marketing, social media influencers. There's also regulatory reports that need to be created, particularly in pharmaceutical settings. There's also grants and proposals, and this is not just academic grants and proposals, but government grants for industry as well. There's reviewing grants and proposals. There's also creating and editing protocols or SOPs, which stands for Standard Operating Procedures. There's writing textbooks or fiction books or nonfiction books. You can write pamphlets. Think of all those pamphlets that you see in a doctor's office or a dentist's office. Each one of those had to be written by someone who is knowledgeable enough to understand the science behind what they are conveying, but also is thinking about the audience to which they need to convey too. More on a regulatory aspect, there's also good manufacturing practices reports or GMP reports that need to be written by people with a high level of scientific understanding. And there's peer review journal editing as well. But as Jennifer Welsh sort of alluded to, it's not just writing in, in words, but it could be web design and, and sort of writing the copy that is on a web page. It could be graphic designing or coupling the two together, graphic designing and web page copying. It could be podcasting, which is what John and I do here as a little bit of our own science communication. And this is not just hosting. If you don't like hosting, lots of people hate the sound of their own voices. We do too, but we still do this for you. But you could also just be a researcher. You could be a researcher on a podcast, a science podcast, or you could produce the podcast. So there's lots of different careers in there as well. People will hire science writers or medical writers just to create slide decks or poster creations. These end up becoming marketing materials almost. Yeah, like those slide decks, you, companies use them to promote their product. Or if you're trying to get investment in your own company, you want something that looks really good. Yeah. Other means of science writing or medical writing that you may not be thinking about is public speaking, which requires often writing of a speech or thinking about sort of how you're going to convey a certain topic to a certain kind of audience, as well as event planning, which I think is often not thought of as a career option for science-minded individuals. But there's lots of different conferences that are science-driven, microbial-driven, trying to get the best talent into a room to collectively speak on a specific topic. And that takes a certain kind of person, like an event planner, to help orchestrate that. And having a scientific background is going to give you a leg up in this area. There's also museum exhibit and designing. This is something I haven't done yet, but I would really love to design a museum exhibit in the science realm of things, particularly with microbes. 
And then I think another really interesting science writing, medical writing career choice, which may or may not be a full-time gig, uh, would be to be an expert for a movie or TV show. And the one, of course, that comes to mind for us all right now is The Last of Us, where they're talking about cordyceps and their zombie ability, mostly in ants and beetles, but in Last of Us, they turn that into humans as well. I imagine, I'm not sure if they have someone, but I imagine they must have spoken to at least a couple experts on cordyceps. I, I would assume so, at least someone with a biology degree. I know some other shows, like uh, hospital shows, they'll, they'll bring in nurses and other doctors just to make sure what they're saying if there's an emergency event that they're showing that it's actually correct. Yeah, and I remember when I was reading Andy Weir's latest novel, Hit Project Hail Mary, he talked a lot about talking to various physicists and microbiologists and sorting to make sure that the science that he was putting in his book was correct. There's sort of an aspect there that you can be this consultant for a movie or TV show that would require a little bit of writing, a little science communication. And then, of course, there is creating courses. So there's tons of places that are now have free courses or paid courses in microbiology and bioinformatics and data science in a number of different areas that microbiology intersects with. So I wanted to take a moment, know that we have already heard from Charlotte and Anise over at Microbytes. We've heard from Jennifer Welsh. We're going to hear from Christina Campbell. These are all people who work in the field. But just as a little side note, we at Microbials also have a little bit of experience in this medical and science writing field as well. I have been a freelance writer writing protocols, which I actually found was a lot more enjoyable than it sounds. It sounds kind of boring, but it was a very sort of relaxing activity. We obviously do blogging and podcasting here on the show, The Micro Moment, and on our blog, Microbials. Which you're really good at making. We also have experience. I was an assistant feature editor for the journal Phytobiomes, as well as MPMI, which are both journals in plant microbiology. And event planning, I have a little bit experience too. If you've been a fan of the show for a while, you know that last year we had two podcasts, I believe, on the Microbiome Data Congress that John and I both attended last year, in which we took on a couple of those speakers onto our show as well. So that was a conference that I helped plan, and that was actually a really fun experience to sort of have a reason to network with people, which I think is important when you're an introvert like myself. So science and medical writing was something that ultimately I thought of as a career path. And that's why I have all this freelance experience in my past. It is something I still am interested in, but ultimately decided to join industry and go down the bioinformatics route. But I do think it is a very valid and can be a really fun career option for people who love science and writing and have this desire to sort of educate or communicate with a broader audience. So let me ask you something. What makes science writing different from, say, like writing in a peer-reviewed journal? So I think it comes down to the three Ps that we talked about in the first episode of this career season. Let me guess the first one again. Let's see if I can get it better than last time. Uh, principle. Yes. So in peer review journal articles, 
you are sharing your scientific discoveries to the scientific community within your scientific niche. Maybe there's a hundred people in the world that can read that paper and get passionate about it and understand what it really is about. But in science writing, you're not writing for that specific science niche. You might have a very different guiding principles that are behind the writing project that you are on. Different words are used in different markets. Different words can convey different emotions. And you have to understand the difference between the projects. I talked about protocol writing. Protocol writing obviously does not have an emotional aspect to it. It needs to be very clear and concise in what's going to happen. If you're writing for a news journal, this is now you're talking more to a broader audience. Your principles are a little bit different. You need to tone back a lot of your scientific jargon and create a piece that can be communicated to a much broader audience. And those principles behind that are much different than when you're writing and trying to submit to, say, nature. Which leads us you know, directly into that second P of people, or sometimes in science writing or medical writing, we call this audience. If you're writing for a newspaper, the tone, the word choices have to be for that correct audience that you are writing to. And obviously, a local newspaper might be a little bit different than a national newspaper. So even within a specific kind of writing, there's different audiences that you have to write for. Yeah, I suppose you can think of it as like you have different age groups, different diversities. So you, you really need to be able to communicate well, not only on the national level, but on the local level, like you said. Yeah. And I think there's also the aspect of entertainment versus education. In some writings, your audience wants to be educated and they are there for those facts. If, on the other hand, you're writing as an expert or being the consultant on a TV or movie, people are there to be entertained predominantly. And the different little facts that they might pick out of that would be much different than if they're coming to a webinar on, say, cordyceps. That's not saying that you should lie when you're doing TV movie writing consulting, but the amount of educational or facts that you're including might be much smaller. Right. More easily understandable and digestible. Mm -hmm. And some things might be stretched a little bit for the entertainment factor. So let's talk a little bit about, I just have like a list of, we talked a little bit about some of the different kinds of audiences there are, mainly the general public, but you can also, in the case of medical writing, your audience may be patients. And while patients are the general public, they're there for specific reason. And sometimes they're facing really hard diagnoses or under, trying to understand different diseases or chronic states that they may not have any idea of but is now affecting their whole life. And that's a very different audience than, say, writing about a scientific discovery in a newspaper. On the flip side, you as a medical writer, a scientific writer, you might be writing for physicians trying to convey something to doctors. That is a much different level than writing to the patients. And in turn, you might have things specific to nurses. So really understanding your audience is at the core of a successful scientific writer or medical writer, I would say. Other audiences include regulators, researchers, children, 
college students or even high school students who really are across the gambit of age as well as interests. And comprehension level too. And comprehension level, that's a good point. So that brings us to the third P. Is that, let me think, passion? Yes, and I think passion is important no matter what career you're in. As we mentioned in the first podcast episode of this season on Career Corners. So science writing or medical writing or any of the careers we've talked about here all requires passion. And particularly when we're talking here on the micro moment, we're talking about passion for science. Notice that you could be passionate for science and have a very fantastic career in science writing or medical writing. You can have a broad interest in science and be able to write in all these different fields and one week be writing a piece on physics and the next on chemistry and the next on biology and the next you're in the trying to get something out about what happened to the ocean or climate change or astronauts up in space so you can have this very broad interest and passion in science and want to just understand the the next greatest thing and be able to write about it but if you are like uh, ourselves and you have a very intense interest in a specific niche, that does not mean that medical writing or science writing is not for you. For instance, our friend of the pod, Alani, the host of the podcast Microbe and Us, found a science communication job, which is very microbially focused. But on the other hand, we've also interviewed Jennifer Welsh, who is in science journalism, and she's had a number of projects in a broad array of science focuses, which I really think is a fun thing about science and medical writing is how flexible it can be and how much you can carve it to be what you want. That being said, knowing what you can and cannot get passionate about is important. You might get a project and it could last months, it could last hours, it could last years, and you have to be passionate enough to get the job done. No matter where you work, some projects will come around that you don't have so much passion for. But overall, if you get passionate about science in general, there are some really fantastic careers in here for you that allow you to constantly be in contact or engaging with some of the leading minds in science. And you'll be on the cutting edge of new technologies, creating a vast network while doing so. I think someone that's passionate about what they're doing really comes out, especially if they're doing some sort of writing. You can you can feel it when you're reading what they've written, right? Yeah, I think so. So this brings us to a question. Who hires medical writers and what are their expected salaries? Well, like any career, this is a terribly hard thing to answer. Writing is not dead. It's everywhere. Lots of places needed. I've seen places like MIT or Harvard trying to hire people to help them write grants or proposals. I know tons of people in industry have content or marketing specialists that are supposed to promote and bring awareness to their company at trade shows or at conferences or just writing press releases. You could become a freelance medical writer or science writer where you were doing the pitching or you were trying to find individual clients to help you for individual projects that you would write for them. 
There are tons of places medical writers can be hired at all different levels and salary scales. And obviously, with salary, geography plays a ginormous role in the salary output, as does experience. Some medical writers work for companies on a full-time basis, some as a part-time, some freelance. There really is an infinite amount of flexibility in this career choice, which can be stressful at times, but can be really welcoming for other people. We actually have some advice from a few freelancers we've had on the pod. Both Jennifer Welsh and Christina Campbell are freelance science writers. And you have heard a little bit about them throughout this episode. But for some other areas where you can be hired as a medical writer, you can check out healthcare organizations, medical device companies, medical marketing companies, biotechnology companies, medical education sites, pharmaceutical companies. And what is another great thing about this career choice, it can definitely be remote. You don't have to live in the same area, especially when you're freelancing, you might have clients all over the world. So I guess that would be one more thing is medical writing could be useful for people that have, say, English as a second language and they need a little help conveying their research. Yeah, and that's an important one I did forget to mention is translating. And that's not always translating into English, but it could be translating into another language as well, which is a really important skill to have. If you happen to be bilingual, this can be a pretty fun little side hustle if you're still in your PhD or postdoc to do sort of some translating in science. So let's hear a little bit on the career ladder of some medical writers. First, we will hear from Jennifer Welsh on how she got into her role today. So I had several internships before I got like my first real full-time employment job. So I had interned at, I mentioned uh, Stanford, then I interned at the local newspaper, the Santa Cruz Sentinels. And then I interned at Wired, and then I interned at The Scientist, and then I interned at Discover Magazine, and then I interned at uh, Live Science, where I finally got hired (laughs) to be a staff writer. So I actually did not think that I was built to freelance and to work on my own, but I've really been enjoying it. I really love the idea that I can do different projects all the time when I'm freelancing. So I can not just write about different topics, but do different kinds of stories, different lengths of stories, different types of work, be it journalistic or something more on the content or marketing side that has a different purpose and a different style and a different flow to the actual creation of the work. And finally, let's hear from Christina Campbell on her journey into science writing. Well, multiple hats is a good way to put it. I, I do kind of like assume different kind of personas depending on what I'm doing. But I think, yeah, for me, it really comes down to pleasing my eight-year-old self. And what I mean by that is um, at an early age, I was really drawn to words and I loved writing Um, I used to win like little fiction story contests in my province. And um, but then I I sort of didn't pursue that. I I grew up and went to university. I stayed focused around words, but I studied linguistics and and like the clinical practice of communication. So I didn't do much writing. 
I got to a point and, and it, that, that all was very fascinating too, but I got to a point where I thought about my eight-year-old self kind of yelling at me and saying, well, why aren't you writing? Why aren't you a writer? And so I sort of started the process of transitioning into full-time writing, you know, because I, I love doing it and I love learning. I love the challenge of each new article, putting it together like a puzzle, like all the different uh, pieces of information and the quotes from the experts. And yeah, so I kind of started this process and gradually made that my entire sort of income and what I did with my time. Yeah. So I think it was probably a period of about, you know, three or four years where I transitioned completely into science writing and especially in this one field. And I know there are lots of general science writers, but I just felt like this was an area that constantly posed a challenge. And like, you know, we've been talking about there, there are so many studies to get a handle on that even just focusing on this one field is plenty to keep me busy. And so yeah, and then when I when I started do writing in this field, I sort of said yes to any opportunity that seemed good that came along and ended up with yeah, just a lot of different things, um, a lot of different irons in the fire. I would say that Lately, I've started a process of narrowing again and really focusing on some bigger projects that I can do that are, um, you know, that I can put a little more of myself into. A quote-unquote traditional career letter may sound very familiar to the scientist career letter that we had discussed in our previous podcast episode. You start an associate writer, then you move to a junior writer, then as a writer or senior writer, and, of course, you can move into management, too, by becoming a department head or a communications specialist. Or you can, as we've said, become a freelance writer, which may in turn become your own business where you begin to hire other writers, designers, marketing, editors, etc. But as you heard from Christine and Jennifer, there is no traditional ladders of success here. There's a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of trial and error and a lot of creativity to find your unique career path that fits you. So, this brings us into skills. What are some of the top skills needed to become a medical writer or science writer? Well, it may not surprise you that writing and editing are top skills for science and medical writers. It's actually a shock to me. I know. Who would have thunk? Anyways, jokes aside, a strong science background is also helpful, specifically if you're going into medical writing or science writing, particularly on medical writing side, they might want you to have a basic understanding of different diseases or diagnosis or immunology, depending on the, what kind of medical writing you might get into. Project management is also very helpful, especially when you're freelancing because you are responsible for your own schedule. You're responsible for setting your deadlines, for creating and executing these projects and working with the client to understand what you need to meet for them. Being able to research efficiently and effectively is also an important skill for medical or science writers. You might be writing about something you have no idea about and need to go out and do some research to gain a basic level understanding of what it is that you're writing about so you can effectively communicate it to the audience that you need to. Critical thinking is always important no matter what career you go into, as well as attention to detail. And of course, if you're going into science writing, medical writing, science communication, you have to have excellent communication skills. 
Knowing multiple languages, as we said, is a plus. Translating is also a very valid career option here and fits under the umbrella of medical writing. And as we mentioned, our friends over at Microbytes do a lot of science translating. If you are looking for a little bit of experience, I would definitely go check them out. They translate into, I think, five different languages. So if you happen to know a second language, you're interested in sort of checking this out, trying this out, you can go volunteer over at Microbytes and learn a little bit more about this. Well, they increased. uh, Last I counted was four. They are open for more too. So if you have a language that you speak that is not on there and you would like to do some translating in that language, I'm sure they would be happy to incorporate that. Other sorts of journalism or writing skills that might be important, marketing and advertising, if you're going into communication specialists or marketing specialist roles, bioethics might be important. If you're into some regulatory writing or even some journalism understanding bioethics is important if you are looking at more of the digital side of science and medical writing search engine optimization is a huge plus social media management graphic designing can be very helpful in creating pamphlets and powerpoints and patient forward projects and giving receiving feedback which is basically good for everybody in every career path, but is seldom taught or nurtured, is always an important skill that I don't think we give enough value to in our society. No, that's a very important skill for us to grow as individuals, too. Yeah, we could always improve. And then ability to write clearly, concisely, and for a variety of audiences. And this is particularly if you are doing freelance, if you can write to a variety of audiences, then you can have more projects at your fingertips. However, if you have a full-time job in a particular company, you might only have one audience that you need to write to, and then you don't need to have such a knowledge in the variety of audiences that are there. But don't get bogged down in all these skills. Many of them can be learned on the job. Here's Jennifer Welsh again on some skill sets things. I have written so many different things about so many different topics in the last you know, 11 years that I've been doing this and I can't remember half of them. And you don't have to be an expert. I think that's something else that you are not going to know everything about the topics you're writing about. You have to be able to dive in pretty quickly and get a really good grasp of the general conversation around something. And that's a skill that's really important. So to wrap this all up, let's take a look at the day in the life of a medical writer. The great thing about medical writing is your day-to-day life can be very flexible. Freelancers may work from home, rent an office, or even work from a coffee shop from time to time, if that's your thing. Or you can go live that nomad life. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They will meet with existing clients or have meetings with prospective clients. They may be creating pitches, reading up on current events, or working on multiple projects a day. The day-to-day of a medical writer is very dynamic and is different for everybody. A single project could take anywhere from a few hours to months to complete depending on the depth of the project. You may work alone with a small team of other writers or even with people in other fields like publishing or graphic designing or user experience specialists. Well, Microbial Nation, that is the end of our show. We hope you learned a lot about science writing and medical writing. And if this sounds like a career for you, we hope it helped you in understanding some of the ins and outs of this career choice. We'd like to thank Christina Campbell, 
Jennifer Welsh, Anise Byclot, Charlotte Vandeveld for their insights and advice in this career-centric episode of Microbi Gals. Oh, and I think we had Florian at the top of the episode as well. So we'd like to thank him and their insights there. If you are looking for additional resources on science or medical writing, I would suggest heading over to the American Medical Writers Association. They have an ultimate guide to becoming a medical writer that really dives into the ins and outs of this career choice, as well as a number of other resources for medical writers in America. But if you're not an American, not to fret, there's also the Australian Medical Writers Association, and I would presume that there is a European one as well. Asia, I'm not sure. There must be. But the resources in one will help you no matter where you are. There's also a Writing in Sciences Coursera course, which is free and taught by Kristin Sanani at the Stanford University. There's the Regulatory Affairs Professional Society, if regulatory writing sounds like something you might want to get into. And Indeed had an article that we used in this little podcast called How to Become a Medical Writer in Six Steps. And finally, we had some insights from the National Association of Science Writers, as well as the Australian Medical Writers Associations. So with that, we'd like to... Remember, if you want to learn more about medical writing or other careers in the sciences, head over to microbigals.com. That's M-I-C-R-O-B. IGALS.com, where we have several articles on different careers in the sciences. You can also find us on Instagram by looking up Microbigals or on Twitter at Microbigals. So, any other careers that you're interested in the sciences? Well, let us know by emailing us at microbigals at gmail.com or sending us a message on Twitter or Instagram. And Stay tuned for our next episode where we talk to Dr. Jake Robinson, the author of the upcoming book, Invisible Friends. And let's end with some final words from Jennifer Welsh. I feel like there is so much out there that can help you on, on a journey if this is something that you want to, to link it to. You don't have to go to grad school. You don't have to go to journalism school. You don't have to, you know, be a journalist, you know, by training to write about science journalism, to be a science journalist. You don't have to be a scientist to be a science journalist. Like, it goes both ways. There are people from so many diverse backgrounds that – and. Yeah, you don't have to write just about the topic you got your PhD in either. So, <laughs> you know, it, there's just so much flexibility in it. And I feel like anybody could do it. I really do. Until next time, people, remember feed your microbes, feed your guts, make your microbes love you lots. Bye. Bye.